because, of course, we're in a very volatile weather situation right now. The National Weather Service in Paducah has issued a tornado warning for Marshall County, Kentucky, southwestern Lyon County, Kentucky. I'm meteorologist Noah Berger. We're under a blizzard warning for extremely heavy snow. There is a charged atmosphere in here tonight. Oh, yeah. First Super of all, charged. let's set the scene. I'm Jennifer Ocavina. I am uh, your resident weenie meteorologist, Noah Berggren. Noah Berggren. And so right now we have in our presence, we have the Cavs and Lakers on. I can tell this is already going to be contentious for us because <laughs> you've said you're a I am Lakers a fan. I thorough purple and gold Lakers fan. And I, of course, am a Cavs fan, which minus me. LeBron now, which is on the team that you're currently rooting for, and they just thanked him. <laughs> I don't I don't understand sports culture anymore. Anyway. Well, hey, the Cavaliers won two games this year, so. <clears throat> what a train wreck. Anyway. They've won as many games as many inches we've had snow here. Oh! oh what is great, though, is I can say this, even though a lot of Clevelanders are upset that LeBron's gone, this is not a sports podcast, but... It, it is current right now that we are watching this. LeBron has given back like none other. And so I can't yes, say that does. that uh, if you're from that area like I am, he's from Akron, south of Cleveland. I'm from Canton. And um, the difference he's made in the lives of kids there has, has really been remarkable. And so I do appreciate him for that. Well, and the championship, of course. Oh, you, that's a small minor detail, yeah. but yes. <laughs> Um, so I just shared this on my uh, Twitter page, so uh, if any of you are listening and want to watch the stream through uh, YouTube, you can comment on it. I believe uh, I believe you can do that. Yes, you can. So uh, on what is a Thanksgiving Eve Wednesday night? Turkey Eve. I never heard that called before, Turkey Eve. Turkey Eve. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I said turkey eve. Yeah. No. Oh. Anyway. Yeah, well, uh, we're forecasting an eat wave for uh, tomorrow. An eat wave, yes. You're, You're supposed to laugh at that. That's funny. Honey funds continue. So. Partly to mostly funny. But <laughs> tonight we're going to be talking about um, the winter weather outlook, which has been adjusted just a tad. Yep. Um, now that we're getting closer to the start of meteorological winter, of course, December 1st. And then we're going to... Maybe hint at preview a little bit of the national climate assessment that will be coming out on Friday, yep. conspicuously released on Friday, yes. Black Friday, after a big holiday. So, dun, 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 dun. yes, there's a lot of uh, tension on Twitter tonight in circulating. The, in the community. <laughs> yes. The so interwebs of the Twitter network. We will uh, look at all that stuff tonight. Let's start with. How'd you enjoy your first snow here in the south? I have to say, it was a little bit insane, as we uh, always start with our weather recap here. Um, I never th didn't think I was prepared for the flux of people who flocked to buy eggs and milk for and an inch and a half of snow. I mean, we ran a story mm -hmm. on Local 6 of uh, one of our reporters who interviewed some woman who was probably half joking, but she was probably half serious, too. 
giving the reasons why Western Kentuckians flock and buy eggs for a snowstorm and bread, saying that you can slice bread, you can butter bread, you can dip it in milk, you can butter it. You can make French toast with it. Did you find I didn't know that. Oh. Eggs, milk. Yeah, wow. So, <laughs> I mean, I have to say, it was a little bit of a new experience having... <laughs> Having thousands of people flock and clear out the shelves for milk and uh, milk and eggs. I don't really know what you... We can debate this for a minute. I don't know if you can chime... If you want to chime in on our feed afterward when we post this, uh, we'll respond to it. Or Jenna and I will probably debate this here for a second. Now, why do, why do you think people still buy eggs and milk when there's snowstorms? Like, is this an old, like, colonial tradition? Like, there has to I be... A, there has to be a story behind it, though, no? In what, back in the Stone Age, they, uh, back when all there was was milk and eggs? I mean, like, what are you going to do with kids when you're stranded inside in a snow day? I mean, okay, kids, here's bread and milk. I mean, I'd run on bread and peanut butter, maybe. I mean, if I was stuck inside with kids, I think I'd be running to the liquor store first, but <laughs> that's besides the point. But, um, yeah, I've never understood this prodigy and philosophy of flocking to buy milk and eggs and bread before a snowstorm. Now, it's not as bad up in the northeast where I'm from in Connecticut. I mean, obviously, we're a little bit more uh, able to deal with snow up there, but, I mean, just down here in the south, it is just... Whew. You got your first school closings. Got my first school closings, and I have to say... Uh, For two inches of snow. Even though the roads were completely clear, the roads, the uh, schools were still closed. So, uh, I don't know if we're getting soft as a society or what. Nope, it's a southern thing. <clears throat> It's just how it goes. See, is this the, we consider this the South, or this is not the Mid South. This is the South. I consider it the Mid South. But um, see, up we're not the Deep South. That's true. <coughs> Did you know you could dip? Uh, excuse you. Did you know you could dip? Uh, or excuse me. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> My coughing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jen will be back in a second, um, but um, so uh, tonight's topic, we're going to be talking about the winter weather forecasting and uh, ENSO and um, be touching upon a little bit of the climate side of things as uh, some new climate central data came out after the very warm and wet uh, previous couple of weeks and months we've had. Uh, obviously, it's Thanksgiving, so uh, or Thanksgiving tomorrow on, uh, that is the 22nd of November. Everybody's now going to be getting into the holiday spirit the uh, Seemingly, <coughs> excuse me, tomorrow night, everybody Passing will be... on. <laughs> Man, this has been three weeks of just horrible coughing. I, I think the la the first podcast we did, I was coughing like crazy. Been uh, under the weather. Oof, I feel fine. It's just can't shake this cough. So uh, hopefully we can Please shake continue. the cough out. But, um... <laughs> <coughs> um we're going to donate a dollar to charity every... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> every cough that goes by, but... She's uh, <laughs> now I'm coughing. Um, so there's some new Climate Central data that came out this week, but I have to say, when I was reporting out the snow, I mean, I've never seen people go so slow with slush on the sides of the roads than I saw that Thursday morning last week. I mean, it's just... Because they're... People here just don't get an opportunity to drive on it as frequently That's true. as they do in the north. They have to take it slow, and that's sort of what we prepare folks for, Is especially for the first snow. It's just one of those precautionary things. I do find it interesting, though, that the majority of people 
maybe not the majority, but at least 50%, which I guess would be the majority, do own pickup trucks, which uh, out of all the people I interviewed while I was doing live shots Thursday morning last weekend, this, right after the snowstorm, people seem pretty confident in their ability to drive through any snow or ice here, despite the fact they have no snow tires on their cars, you know, a lot of SUVs and trucks. I asked people, do you have snow tires on your car? They said no. But the people feel pretty comfortable here that just because they have the notion they just because they have a pickup truck that they can go through any amount of snow. Whereas up in Connecticut, where I'm from, you know, you've got half the driving population is people driving sedans, front wheel drive sedans, where as soon as there's an inch of snow on the ground, they ain't going nowhere. So I do find that an interesting uh, change between the north and the south that. Up in the north, half the people have front-wheel drive little sedans and can't go through any snow. And down here, majority of people have pickup trucks. So really, in theory, they should be able to go through, drive through snow better. Yes. Uh, all the people who have SUVs and trucks. Again, they just don't have the frequency in that they do up north. I mean, oh. our average snowfall here is nine inches each season. That's it. Yeah, we're already what? That's that's a that Tuesday up. in Connecticut, right? I mean, that's... It's a typical afternoon in Boston. But, uh, Boston. Boston. <laughs> but we did set a, a new record here in Paducah. We had the <laughs> second earliest occurrence of at least one inch of snow or greater since uh, 1937. Uh, the all-time November record is four inches, which I was pretty hopeful the night before. Uh, maybe I was doing maybe a little wish casting, but I was hopeful we were going to get to the four-inch mark. But uh, <clears throat> we only got to a putrid 1.8 inches, I think, was the official total here. Uh, but that was kind of a... Uh, Biased snow. I I, ref, I think it's a biased snow total because we kind of had a, a pause in the middle of the snowstorm and then we had sleet and it got compacted and so it, we probably had like three inches of snow that fell. It's just when we well measured here at the it, it station was, we had two and a half. Right, but obviously between the here in town we have the weather service which is a good solid few miles from the, the station, so they always get a different amount of snow than we get here. There is nothing worse than listening to someone on a podcast just coughing their head off. I apologize. Especially with the good microphone. We My have. Lord. <clears throat> so talking about the winter outlook. Yes. Um, we're still on El Nino watch. Yep. There's still no full-fledged El Nino episode yet. <clears throat> Criteria has not been met for that just yet, but we're getting closer and closer to that with each monthly period that goes by and uh, there's still about an 80% chance headed into December, January, February that we will see that develop. Now what typically would you say uh, influences the winter weather season in the Mid-South the most? Because I could touch upon the, uh, the Northeast. As much as the underlying factors, you know, <clears throat> the causes there's the same influencers for both regions. What would you say is different down here than is in maybe the Northeast? Well, we're closer to um, in an El Nino episode. You've got a very active subtropical jet. Mm -hmm. So you've got a lot of abundant moisture streaming across the southern tier of states, which in fact also impacts California and is yep. what is maybe not induced right now, but similar weather pattern to where you've got rain moving into Southern California over areas that have been burned, scars. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and that will in turn lead to another disaster, mudslides. And um, it's kind of a twofold disaster there. But um, that Southern tier of states gets a lot more precipitation. 
Um, usually across the southern tier, the cloudiness and the rain leads to a somewhat cooler average across the southern tier of states. But mm. in a full-fledged, very strong El Nino episode, usually the polar jet is shifted much further north yep. and we end up much warmer here. Now, uh, up in New England, the uh, Eurasian and also the Canadian snow cover <laughs> plays a significant role in the timing and also forecasting of Arctic outbreaks. Now, uh, this weekend, or actually tomorrow, up in the Northeast, they're going to have their coldest Thanksgiving probably ever on record. Uh, now, um, this is a side debate for another day, but I always, I always say those those terms sparingly because a lot of times you hear on-air weathercasters and meteorologists throwing out the terms of uh, the cold, the est ever, the strong est ever. Well, no, it's in recorded weather history, and every weather parameter has a different timetable for how far back it goes. Like snowfall here in Paducah goes back to 1937, whereas precipitation and temperature go back further than that. So um, the same as in Connecticut and other areas. But um, in terms of recorded history, uh, Philadelphia, New York, Boston, Hartford, Pittsburgh, basically all the big I-95 cities tomorrow are going to have their coldest new, uh, Thanksgiving on record. High temperatures maybe in the teens and 20s with wind chills within a few degrees of zero. And that'll be for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Northeast. And believe it or not, the Arctic air mass, which is coming to impact uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, tomorrow is coming all the way from Siberia. And that's what we call a cross-polar flow, where the air, has, the air mass itself has made the trek in the upper levels of the atmosphere all the way across the, the Arctic Circle through the North Pole and over the other side of the globe, and it's just coming straight down for a beeline to the northeast. Now, a lot of times if we're talking about a polar vortex outbreak, we would be getting cold and snow and some kind of winter weather here in um, the local 60 area, which is western Kentucky, southern Illinois, southeast Missouri. But this and Arctic shot... northwest Tennessee. And northwest Tennessee. But uh, this, this Arctic outbreak is different, as I was just saying, because a lot of hang in there... Um, this one is going to be coming due north to due south out of Siberia, from Siberia over the uh, Arctic Circle through Canada to New England. But a lot of times, so we get our Arctic outbreaks here in the local six area, they get we get these big bowling balls of upper level energy and these huge troughs that come out from like the Dakotas Alaskan. and the upper Midwest. Yeah. And there's a it, the cold shot starts from. Minneapolis and it digs south to Oklahoma and North Texas, then it swings east through our area. And it's like this big bowling ball of cold that has a three to five day period. <laughs> Temperatures much below normal, and it swings all the way from the plains through the mid south where we are, and then through the mid Atlantic, then through New England. This one's unique in the sense that there's only a well, only sparingly because those people are going to be freezing their you know what's off tomorrow morning for Thanksgiving with wind chills near zero. But it's only going to be the north, the immediate New England quarter. I mean, outside the big I-95 cities, I mean, it's going to be near 60 here. I mean, even as far southwest as West Virginia, they're going to be in the 40s and 50s. So you get some of that cross-polar flow. Cross. Very sharp. But my the thing I was saying, a very sharp divide between uh, where the extent of that Arctic outbreak reaches and where it doesn't. So if you're on our side of that, uh, <laughs> uh, our side of that flow, uh, it's good good thing because. Uh, I don't think uh, many of us would much rather have temperatures near zero. 
with wind chills uh, below that on Thanksgiving morning. But um, so if you have any questions or comments, uh, you can put them in the feed. We'll we'll touch on them a little bit. But uh, something I've always uh, wondered is uh, why people always um, put up their Christmas stuff before Thanksgiving. But I can tell you, with the cold air tomorrow in New England, people are probably going to be pretty quick to put up the Christmas ornaments and decorations and all the whole nine yards after Thanksgiving tomorrow. But uh, switching gears back to the... Uh, yeah, I'm doing my best here. Jen's hanging in there. Um, to the winter forecast. Uh, <clears throat> now, there's kind of a mixed signal for this winter. I personally, uh, aside from my uh, desire and hoping for snow and cold, I actually do think we could end up colder and snowier in oh, yeah. Paducah. Would you agree? Mm. Which is contrary to what the outlook might have looked like, let's say, two months ago. <laughs> I just can't catch a break here with this. But, um, yeah, um, if you look back at past week El Nino episodes, which is likely what we're going to experience here, um, <clears throat> talk about El Nino. Scientists closely monitor the sea surface temperatures off the coast of South America into the Central Pacific, because um, those temperatures of, of the Pacific directly impact the weather pattern above. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so, um, in an El Nino weather pattern, in an episode, um, it tends to influence, again, like we said, the southern states with an increase in uh, moisture from the subtropical jet. Now, in weak El Nino episodes, there seems to be the wild card of the Arctic Oscillation, uh, which is another climate factor, but it is pressure-based, whereas El Nino is based in sea surface temperatures. Yep. You get the North Atlantic Oscillation and the Arctic Oscillation, both are monitored for climate reasons because you get a negative... Arctic oscillation, <clears throat> and you start to see the Arctic moving away from its constant polar cold. Whereas you think of the, the Arctic, constantly cold, right? Siberia, you get up into the Arctic. Yep. Well, when you start to see a negative Arctic oscillation, you start to see areas of low pressure on the outer perimeters of that coldest pool of air in the Arctic. It starts to get a little wobbly. You get the jet stream becomes a little more amplified and you start to see little lobes of that cold air forcing their way further down into those troughs of low pressure. <clears throat> and what that means is you get that cold air starts to drain down into northern tier states. If it drains far enough south and meets up with the supercharged Subtropical jet, you get the fusion, and that's when you start to get more in the way of snow events for our region. Uh, very similar to what happened this November, happened November 2014, and headed into winter. <coughs> Man, I almost got there. Headed into winter 2014 uh, 15, we, um, we saw several snowfall events. And in November 2014, we had a mild week, El Nino developing. 
we had a negative Arctic Oscillation, allowing that cold air to drain south. And uh, very similar this year. Very mm -hmm. scary how similar it is. Now, as we went into the winter of 2015 then, 2014-15, in February, January, February, and March, we had snows. Two of those snows ranked in the top five all-time snowfall events for the Paducah area. So hmm. if you're a snow lover, this is the kind of setup that we rarely see that you want for snow events. Now, is it fair to say that the uh, wealth of data was limited to support that? I saw, what was that? I saw something from the Weather Service Paducah that said that uh, <coughs> if you're a, something along those lines, if you're a snow lover, the early occurrence of the, over an inch of snow, uh, I think it's eight out of the 12 other times we had snow this early in November yielded a much above average winter <coughs> season. But there's only, only like eight or ten seasons out of the hundred or whatever. No, because if you go back to the other analog years, 1978... Um, while Paducah itself did not record anything more than a trace, they had a four to eight inch snowfall from the Penny Rile up into southern Illinois, just like the ones we had mm -hmm. this November and November 2014. And that was a mild El Nino induced start to winter as well. So um, I really feel like this is uh, a good correlation between 2014 2018, yep. maybe even 1977, 78, which obviously precedes us. Right. But older generations certainly remember that storm, and we've learned plenty about it. Now, you think this is a uh, setup favorable for uh, ice storms? Um, because uh, now a lot of times with this setup, uh, especially with the splitting... Uh, well, unlike the split flow of the jet streams, when you get those two jets to come together, the polar branch of the jet stream and the subtro the tropical branch of the jet stream, uh, you get your combination of a fresh injection of cold air from uh, Canada, and you get that to link up with a moisture-rich flow out of the Gulf of Mexico, and you can get uh, also wintertime severe weather in the Mid-South. Uh, uh, the winter storm of 09, I mean, we had prolific ice in this area and then just a matter you know maybe not maybe not as this maybe this maybe was not as um, relevant or as extreme with that event but there's been times in the winter season in this area where we've gone from tornado one week to the next week snowstorm which is not uncommon given the uh, mixture between <coughs> moisture rich flow from the Gulf and cold low humidity dry air from eastern Canada, which more or less meets up over our area a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I have imagined that. Um, <clears throat> so you think we'd have some ice storms in this flow or more snowstorm? No, I think it would be snowstorm. Um, with the Arctic Oscillation being as negative as it is, mm -hmm. allowing that cold air to drain farther south, I think it's more of a snow setup. Yep. Um, if it was a weak negative signal, maybe. Um, but usually in neutral, uh, and so neutral, so not La Nina or El Nino, yeah. <clears throat> or even <coughs> a um, weak La Nina, 
is when we tend to see more of that snow and sleet yep. line across the area. Now, um, how much above or below average? Uh, I think um, this winter season could be at least um, maybe a good bit, uh, maybe 25 to 50% above average where we're supposed to be for snowfall in this area. Now, um, we've already had two inches in Paducah, and the seasonal average is nine, so, I mean, it would only take... Uh, another two-inch event here before the end of the year to already be half the way through where we typically would be. Um, but I have to say, I've been looking at the ensembles, and the first of December, right around, let's say, the last two days of November and the first couple days of December, look to be very interesting both from this area and all the way up to the mid-Atlantic and the northeast as the warm weather that's going to give the pattern that's going to yield us the warm Thanksgiving tomorrow and the, the Arctic cold break uh, tomorrow in New England is going to break down over the next few days into next week and then right around the turn of the month of December there is a <coughs> fairly decent ensemble signal for a significant winter storm maybe along the likes of what we had last week but where exactly the track ends up being would obviously dictate how far north the snow line makes it and uh, where the severe weather is. But um, as you were saying before, a lot of the times these big winter storms happen most notably on the transition between weather patterns. So coming out of a really warm weather pattern, like the uh, pattern changes that we get really cold air after really warm air oftentimes is triggered by a storm system, like the storm is what causes or kicks off the pattern change, or vice versa. Like a winter storm will break us out of a cold pattern, which a lot of times I've found up in New England gives us our biggest <coughs> snowstorms. Yeah, um, I do know that in the Arctic Oscillation, as we're still sort of on those same lines, talking about snow versus other precip types, um, while you can't get a long-range forecast out of the AO is what we call it. <clears throat> Seven to ten days out, there's a pretty good signal, and it tanks. Mm. I mean, it was it was negative, but it goes very negative closer to December 1st. And then beyond that, it's not real accurate. It's just yep. not, a, you can't really get a good read on it past that. But if that does happen, you know, there's nothing to say that that cold air doesn't drain all the way down here again for it to be snow. Oh, yeah. But, um, Logan, I just saw this, uh, replied, <coughs> replied earlier to our, uh, question here, and he said, um, we're not raised to driving on the snow, so it's almost like we're scared of it down here. I'm sure there's a, there's a fear factor to it. <clears throat> what we tend to get here more than they do up north, and, you know, Snow every other day is common in the in the wintertime up there. But down here, <clears throat> we didn't we tend to get these events where you get, you know, a tenth of an inch of some freezing rain overnight or sleet or minor events that don't warrant widespread road treatment, pre-treatment. Yep. And we end up with tons of accidents. Mm -hmm. And then that puts the fear into people about driving on it whatsoever. Snow is actually easy to drive on because mm. you can get traction. Right. Whereas these little events where you get these little thin layers of ice on the roadway, 
those are the worst case scenario. I mean, driving on ice is impossible for anyone. Hmm. I was going to say, um, I'm not... I'm not very accustomed to driving on ice, even being from New England, but um, I, did, I did get quite <laughs> quite a few people who were, uh, messaged me on Facebook after I showed that a 36-inch snowstorm in Connecticut the morning I was out live reporting. And uh, that pattern is actually something... Uh, <clears throat> that 2013 season was very unique in itself. We had the snowiest day, the snowiest month, and the snowiest <clears throat> storm on record in Hartford, but um, you know, a lot of the time these setups, they come in, they come in waves, where every couple of years you'll see the same signal and you've got a very similar type of event, at least that's how I find it to be up in New England, I don't know how it would be down here in the Mid-South, but um, it seems like every two to five years you get a, uh, you get a blast of cold <coughs> snow. I think it variable so much more down here because you've got both jet streams that you're mm -hmm. working with more often than not. Um, I think in New England, of course, it takes a lot more to get subtropical jet, unless you're getting a nor'easter, which brings it with it. Right. Um, you know, we're exposed to the Gulf of Mexico all the time here, and the moisture associated with it. So I think maybe that's the difference. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so... Uh Oh, just muting it every time I cough now. It's just horrible. Yes, that is not your internet going out. That is us muting the microphone. For a good reason, though. Can't run out of the room fast enough. It's going to run me out of the room, so. Sorry. But, um... It's painful. It looks and sounds painful. It I feel is. bad for you. I've literally taken... All the metals I can at this point. <laughs> Final notes. Yes, we were gonna work. Let's, let's wrap this painful thing up. <laughs> pain, uh, hopefully, uh, you're not. Hopefully, you're not feeling too much of Jennifer's pain. <clears throat> because I don't think she's uh, doing too. Oh, we have a. Uh, William Parmley says just tuned in. Do you know who that is? Oh yeah, this he's is faithful. A, a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, he'll have to go back and listen from the beginning. But, uh, William, hope you had a good uh, Wednesday. Um, uh, we're gonna try to get we're gonna try to get Jen better for the next episode, so she uh, can shake this cough from her from inside of her because we can't be having this uh, <clears throat> much longer. She this needs is to be disruptive. Healthy. Well, we need you healthy. Hmm? We can't have you under the weather. Um, so Friday, the National Climate Assessment comes out. <clears throat> this is compiled by dozens, dozens of scientists, um, and is assigned from the White House. Mm -hmm. This project is um, is going to be historic. I think <clears throat> it will basically give us a very good idea as to the state of our climate right now. <clears throat> something making waves tonight um, where I saw on Twitter and I'm not going to voice my opinion but just throw out there that you know the president tweeted tonight that look at the record cold and 
drastically cold temperatures, <clears throat> whatever happened to global warming? Well, you know, there's a lot of flashback right. on Twitter about that. Um, I wonder, I, I don't think it has anything to do with the national climate assessment coming out. I think he just saw cold temperatures and, you know, we hear that sometimes from viewers as well. Right. Where's global warming with all this cold weather? Well, <clears throat> you know, the big thing you have to remember is that weather and climate are different. Right. Most people uh, don't realize that um, climate is the big scale of what's going on across the globe, and weather is the day-to-day -day, uh, um, occurrence and the, uh, what's happening in your backyard, so to speak. Um, a lot of people always get confused with the difference between weather and climate. It's not weather change, it's climate change. The weather changes every day of the week, every minute of the day, every second of the day, but the climate is changing on a much slower scale and... Climate's a 30-year average. It's right. not an every day. And it's not... <clears throat> it's not Paducah warming. It's not New England warming. Right. It's global warming. Um, the Earth itself is warming. Um, that doesn't happen overnight. Happens over a very long period of time. But you have to remember that our, our Earth, our planet, is a very fragile ecosystem. Yep. And it is fluid. Our atmosphere is made up of water. It is a fluid, dynamic entity mm -hmm. that is susceptible to anything you put in it that isn't occur naturally. Yep. And in its natural density and form. And so, <clears throat> you know, outside of politics, as scientists, we care very much yep. what that balance is and how that dynamic uh, evolves. And so we'll be interested to see what comes out on Friday. Um, I do know that this, this panel that puts this together does not make policy suggestions. That's not what this is about. It's just a statement and result of what the climate status is and how weather may be impacted by that. <clears throat> so hopefully we'll be able to do that in our next podcast and talk a little bit about mm. what the results, what the findings are. Our friends at Climate Central <clears throat> do a really good job of breaking all that information down for us. <clears throat> and we'll likely be able to have some graphics to go along with it as well. So, um, without further ado, uh, believe it or not, I can't believe we've already been out for past half an hour now. Um, time flies when you're having fun with my mom always. Coughing and me. disrupting everything. <laughs> uh, time flies when you're coughing and uh, having fun all the way through. But um, So, um, to summarize, if you just uh, clicked on at the end here, if you just watched, uh, we were talking about this episode. You can uh, feel free to scroll back and listen to the whole thing. But um, these signs that are now seem to be pointing more towards a colder and snowier winter from... I'd say the southeast United States up to New England. <laughs> now, unfortunately, on the flip side of that, it looks like California is going to be continuing to be on the dry and windy side of things without much rain. But um, the climate assessment will be coming out uh, at the end of this week. We'll have some more details on that next week. And also, uh, it's a big weekend in college football. It's the last week of the regular season. And uh, Jennifer, being an Ohio State fan, is a... Uh, Certainly pulling hard for her Buckeyes to upset or beat the Wolverines. Um, 
So they're already better, so there's no upset. They are ranked eight points lower than Michigan. Jeez, but that's all right. Um, <clears throat> so uh, we're going to be doing this weekly now, and we're going to be posting. Uh, now that we're starting to get uh, getting our footing with this podcast, we've got things kind of settled now. We'll be posting more things. We'll have more content, more graphics. We'll on our social media, our Twitter page at Beyond the Chroma, and we'll uh, post things on our YouTube channel, and this stream will be up on our iTunes uh, podcast as well. Uh, but So without further ado, uh, next week we'll uh, release the topic, what we're going to be talking about, but we'll certainly touch upon the results of the climate assessment, and uh, I'm sure we'll have some uh, delve into the final week of college football, which many people are uh, big fans of, especially this time of year around Thanksgiving. This is when... Uh, I think it was Bill Parcells who always used to say there's the football season before Thanksgiving for the fake for the fake teams, and then the real teams come out right after Thanksgiving. So, oh, my Lord. You're going to make people mad. Uh, the, the real season, both for the NFL and college football, is just beginning as the playoff push and the uh, postseason hunt is now in full gear. So we'll, we'll talk about that and uh, if there's any more snow and cold. But uh, for those of you in the Northeast, it'll be a cold Thanksgiving. But down here, temperatures... Upper 50s, near 60, with lots of sunshine. So uh, with that, I think we'll sign off here, and uh, we're going to get Jen some cough medicine and hopefully see you back here next Wednesday evening. Uh, believe it or not, that'll be, will that be December? Oh, no, November 28th. It's still not December So yet. close. Uh, but I'm sure everybody will have their Christmas ornaments <laughs> and trees up in all the nine yards, especially after the cold outbreak tomorrow. Absolutely. So with that, I'm a meteorologist, Noah Bergen, and I'm joined by my fabulous... Coughing co-anchor, who will say your name? Jennifer Cavina. Hey, she got it out. Got it out. Um, and uh, thanks for listening to us this week uh, beyond the green screen. See you mm-hmm. next week, guys. Bye-bye.